Welcome to On the Agenda with CNZ. We're two best friends with the plans for bringing a little fun and adventure into every day. We're here to inspire your next activity. Let's chat about what's on the agenda today. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of On the Agenda with CNZ. After a lot of amazing feedback over the past two seasons, one topic of interest that keeps coming up is friendships, healthy or otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a fan favorite topic for us and we really wanted to take a, a deeper dive into, you know, you know, being a toxic friend and some of that energy depletion that we've talked about um, when it comes to friendships. But we also wanted to take a different spin today and talk about what it could look like when you're the toxic friend. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we've talked a lot about what it looks like on the flip side and how to handle it when other people are being um, energy depleters for yourself. But what if you're the one doing that to others? I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's worth sometimes a little bit of a look inward to see what that looks like for you and if you are even aware that that is occurring. Mm -hmm. You could be the energy vampire. Oh no. (laughs) Sucking the energy out of other people but you know I think that really kind of brings us to our first point Court. like what if we're the toxic friend or friend group right Mm -hmm. and so how do we define that how do we evaluate it and where do we start with that concept? Yeah, you know, and I think that, you know, part of that is uh, I kind of mentioned the word awareness Mm -hmm. of it. And I think that's huge, like with knowing if you're the toxic friend is just having the awareness of the behaviors that you're exhibiting. Right. And I think that a good place to start in this conversation is emotional intelligence and how it relates to self-awareness um we we've done did a little bit of digging and you know some research there's a lot of definitions for 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 this and Mm -hmm. um we really looked at psychology today and the definition we we really settled on here was that emotional intelligence refers to the ability to identify and manage one's own emotions as well as the emotions of others. So generally with emotional intelligence, you have like the skills of being emotionally aware. Mm -hmm. Um, You can put a name to your emotions, which I think is um, just a really good skill to have. It's invaluable. Yeah. Um, And then also being able to harness those emotions and apply them to tasks um, with problem solving being Mm -hmm. one of them and to then manage those emotions too in different situations and help others do the same. So those are kind of some of the skills that go along with it. Um, And people who are um, very emotionally intelligent, you'll find that these are people who they know the emotional state that they're in and how to get them into their, how to get themselves into a desired emotional state um, and know how to take those steps to do so. Um, Even like the negative ones. So not just being like, I'm mad or I'm sad, but it's like the more subtle in between things, like I'm frustrated or I'm like feeling helpless. Mm -hmm. Like I think I'm feeling fearful, mm -hmm. not actual anxiety because there is an external locus of control in this situation. Okay. I'm I'm, yeah, totally. Yeah. Cause I think there are, some things where you know those high level emotions that you learn as an elementary schooler <laughs> yeah. like you, you can get deeper down into those and, sure. and have a, an ability to more quickly identify those yeah um and then these people too they're not really impulsive or hasty with their actions they they tend to think a lot more before they do and that just um is that like almost filter right between mm-hmm. like ah this emotion is brewing but like before i act on it like let's 
figure out what it is, why it's there, like those kinds of things. So it kind of like reduces how intense like emotions are. And, um, you know, like I said, there isn't, because there's so many definitions and um, a lot of just like emerging science like around this, there isn't necessarily like an absolute scale for how emotionally intelligent you are. Like I can't say you're like a six out of 10. Well, I'm a 10 out of 10. <laughs> well, I mean, always, we but. Are, but... <laughs> no, but you know, but there are, there are definitely, I think what we can agree on are benefits sure. to yep. cultivating the skills of emotional intelligence. And that's whether you're at work, in your friendships, and then also your romantic relationships. Yeah, I definitely think that, I think those definitions are, are good, even though they're, they're fairly loose, because I feel like it comes from a lot of data and a lot of research. Um, that leads us in why is it important mm-hmm. to have? Because maybe maybe one day we're more emotionally intelligent than the next day. Maybe we're more aware. You know, I feel like we have ebbs and flows and, totally. and self-awareness and within our own emotional intelligence. But what I like about, you know, having a baseline of emotional intelligence and that control and regulation of emotion is because it's it can it can be a learned skill Mm -hmm. um so some skills that come with that um one you have more empathy towards others Mm -hmm. right so you're able to uh you know take yourself out of the equation a little bit and i think it gives you a little bit objectivity when someone comes to you with a problem i feel like both you and i uh, have you know have come into issues where people come to us a lot especially you for sure um, with with challenges and it's like okay you know you have to really amp up your own self-awareness yeah. in order to better handle others totally and not always and to that point not always think what would I exactly do right mm-hmm. like picturing yourself as that person their skill sets because your solution may not be feasible for that person because they aren't you they aren't they don't have the same skill sets the same you know personality that you do right absolutely um I think you know it also cultivates better listening skills that's something I'll dive into for myself a little bit later um improved critical thinking skills this is something that i have to have in in my line of work as a nurse um you have to separate yourself from the decision that you have to make sometimes Mm. you know it, it, it when you're thinking about the workplace maybe you're a manager Maybe you need to set yourself aside for a minute to think about what's going to be the best plan of action for the group as a whole. And you're able to do that if you're not internalizing and questioning your own decisions Mm. along the way. So I feel like with an increased self-awareness in general, that leads you to be a better leader or a better follower because you're able to help come to more uh, informed conclusions as a group because you're able to listen to other people. Yeah, I like that point a lot. I think it that that's something I definitely see like for you and like your job. Like you don't have like sometimes more than a few seconds to make a, a critical decision. And like mm-hmm. you have to trust like your training and your background experience to know like I'm making the most informed decision that I possibly can for my patient. Right. And I think that that's like really awesome that you've been able to develop that. I see it like through your personal life as well. Cause I, you know, see in, in myself, I think that that's something that, you know, I want to continuously work on because I do have an ability to make decisions, but oh gosh, will I overthink those for days sure. on end, you know? And, and that could definitely like bring you down when you don't have that trust in yourself. 
I, I think you bring up a good point because you're not alone in that. I feel like that's uh, honestly that point is something that people don't talk about often enough, I don't think. And I, I think it's a, a problem that probably more more than most people have, but they don't really talk about mm-hmm. it because it makes them feel less than, makes them feel yeah. a little bit more uh, more weak, which is why I think, like I said, better leadership abilities yeah. if you're able to help other people because you've already helped yourself. You've already made that decision for yourself. So how do you um, like push a, a better decision onto others if... Um, you know, if you're not constantly second guessing yourself after the fact. So, um, you know, and I, I think that too leads into more self-control. Mm-hmm. If you have a heightened awareness of self and what your boundaries are, I think it's also as a conversation about boundaries with yourself and others, because it's very self-aware and a very positive thing to understand when, when you, when you're able to say yes and when you're able to say mm-hmm. no to whatever, even if it's an opportunity, if it's something positive yeah. or something negative, um, the more under- you understand yourself, the more empowered you will able to be, the more empowered you'll feel regardless of the outcome. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, when you're thinking, okay, we're talking about like work and just friendships in general, but I, I really believe having heightened creativity um, is something that maybe you wouldn't expect from having self-awareness yeah. because it leaves you unbothered. Mm. It leaves you unbothered because you're not busy in your free time second guessing the decisions that you made yeah. in your work time so your free time is more uninhibited it's more it's free because i feel like oftentimes like let's say we're done with work and we come home after a long day or you you work from home and you go in the yeah. next room right and you're second guessing yourself you're questioning your you might question your actions good or bad and um, you know you're pursuing uh, work and a better environment but because you're thinking about that and you're reminiscing on that, ruminating, not reminiscing, ruminating, let me rephrase yeah. that. You're ruminating on that, which is, I think, has a little bit more of a negative connotation. You're not able to pursue your happiness. That really mm-hmm. is what life is about. So um, yeah. I, I just feel like it's yeah, it's super important to, to try to increase those, those better habits and way of thinking. I love that. And I think you're right. That's definitely not like if I was making a list before looking at this article <laughs> of like the benefits, I wouldn't have thought of creativity. But I think that when you do have a, you know, not as high of an emotional mm-hmm. intelligence as you could, it does kind of put you in this box of like other people's expectations you know, we couldn't do this podcast if we didn't have some, you know, decent level of, of these skills because sure. we've been sitting here worried every episode of what is, what is everyone thinking? Like, did we sound stupid during this? And that's not to say that I don't have those moments where right. I'm like, we I all, said something we weird, <laughs> like, you know, how did, how did this come across? But I, I really love that because I think some of the research we have seen too is that people who are emotionally intelligent, it does correlate with self-confidence. Right, 100%. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. So I feel like with all of those skills combined, um, it's really going to have a positive mm-hmm. impact on your relationship. So we're thinking internally to better our outcomes externally. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, it has a positive impact, and but it's not a process that happens overnight. And I think no, that that's like no. what people have to realize is that, you know, you, you can't get frustrated with yourself because emotional intelligence skills are practiced, they're cultivated over time. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I also think that it doesn't mean that you should just expect yourself to have an irrational emotional like response to something like that that can happen like that can happen very yeah. easily like we're all irrational at some point we're all mm-hmm. we're, we're not we're human. perfect people <laughs> we're human you know so never think that you're never going to have maybe an exaggerated response to something because that is chemically in our that's in our mm-hmm. hormones to sometimes react the way we do based off of our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems actually so don't blame yourself all the time you blame your <laughs> nervous system see science um but you know i think part of the underlining impact toxicity has on relationships means that recognizing at some point in time because we're not perfect maybe we were the bad friend yeah yeah, I think that's that's a great point. Like we, you know, I think we all think of ourselves as like the protagonists, so like of our own stories and like <laughs> We're the main character, baby. Yeah, yeah, we are like but being the main character, like if you think of any any hero's journey like story, there are downfalls that these characters have. Mm-hmm. Like there are there are pitfalls that they get into that are part mm-hmm. of building them to the point that they get to at the at the you know end of that journey. And so, you know, I think you have to think of that as as part of your own story and even as a main character you are capable of being the person who isn't right yeah who who is is negatively impacting others and you know zia and i have had quite a few podcast topics around healthy communication and Mm -hmm. as she mentioned like we do give advice to our friends you know when they have these these inquiries but that doesn't mean that either one of us are perfect and we have our own moments where we have to recognize when we're falling short of the advice that we're preaching. Yeah, I am definitely big on trying to practice what I preach. That doesn't mean that I'm perfect at it all the time, you know? So it's like when we're thinking about examples and when we're kind of diving into this topic, it's I, I've been trying to think when, when have there been times that I have been the toxic or perhaps depleting friend? Yeah, no, I think those are, those are good things to like question because like when you, when you go back, like there might be things that you don't even realize you're doing. Like we, this, this whole podcast episode kind of stemmed for us from a conversation that Zia and I had around, you know, what I, what, what a topic that I, I discuss a lot, which is body positivity. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's something that I don't t- want to be on like a high horse about necessarily, or like, you know, always, um, I don't want to be a person who's like not fun to shop with or not like, you know, a good time in that regard because I'm always complaining about the lack of options for plus size people or things like, like that. But while those are real issues, I didn't even realize that in always complaining about those things for me, you know, I was, I was having this lens when Zia would show me something that wasn't available and like a size for myself that I was like, Get, being frustrated I was like oh yeah that's cute wish I could order from Hollister or things like that it was just like these quick responses that like until she called me out on it I was like oh wow I didn't realize like I was isolating her from talking about uh, things that she was excited about like she should be happy when she finds a cute swimsuit and wants to celebrate that you know and like does it it can it be true that that is a bummer that you know that particular company doesn't make you know plus sizes sure but that doesn't have to be the focal point of that particular conversation that's something that I can filter and maybe bring up at another time when she's not super in this excited state it's bringing her down when that's like unnecessary yeah well I I just I want to thank you for being so like 
uh, receptive to, to when I said that, cause it was really hard for me to bring up because, you know, on like on the one hand, like it's, you know, it's internalized for me. Cause I don't, I don't want to, I didn't want to say things cause I never wanted to make you feel bad. Yeah. Like nothing like that, because obviously I'm totally about the body positive movement, of course. Right. Um, you know, but, but at the same time, it's like every, you know, when you bring up clothing around a girlfriends of, you know, plus size, mid size, whatever size, I think that we all have our, our issues with our own bodies. And I struggled, you know, a long time with my own body positivity. Like I think every woman goes through this journey. Right. And so it's like, I've eat really good. I've worked out my entire life and stuff like that. So it's, that's, I contribute that and, you know, within that lens of, okay, I'm this size because of X, Y, and Z doesn't really matter your circumstance. That's just the way that, um, you know, I was like, okay, I'm able to fit in this size and this is what is offered to me. Um, but I, I would just appreciate, you know, being able to like share those, those wins because it takes the wind out of your, out of your sails, reg- mm-hmm. no matter what the situation is when you're talking about a friend and then, you know, they bring the perspective back onto them. I'm guilty about it too, all the time. And, you know, it, it was funny cause we were having had the reverse conversation. We were at target and court picked up this super, <laughs> which doesn't happen. You know, it's, it's a, it's a rarity and I'm very, you know, blessed, very lucky to have, have more options to me, you know, but I was like, Oh dang, wait, that's what was really cute. Yeah. And it wasn't in plus size. It was I only did. in the plus size yeah. section. So, go you figure. know, you know, go figure. <laughs> Not that that ever happens, but it's just, just a funny example about how, you know, it, it said, well, anything that you come up with in a friendship, you, you, there's two sides to every story. And it, no matter what you say, people are going to have a, a feeling, a reaction to it good or bad. And it's just about talking through that. And it's like, yeah. Hey, I'm not feeling supported in X, Y, Z. Can you tell me why? Or can you help me feel more supported in X, Y, and Z? And I feel like that's one, one good thing about our communication style is that you're able to recognize it's like, cause it makes, cause sometimes it makes the other party feel like, Oh, you don't like, Oh, you're saying this. Cause you don't think that I think it's a big deal. I swear. I promise I'm think mm-hmm. it's a big deal. I'm just sharing this win. And that goes for anything, body positivity, work stuff. Yeah. It's a competitive culture that we live in. And if you're not able to share those wins with people, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to express yourself. Yeah. And I think that's part of like, you know, when you think about your behaviors with your friends, like how do you react to statements like when your friend says oh I I'm just so stressed at work this week like mm-hmm. it's a crazy week is it just like oh yeah me too and you just brush it off right? right like and you don't actively listen to what they have to say and you're just like oh well we're all busy like whatever you know and, and, and you don't really think further about that it's like no they might be really struggling like more than you think and so you know with like the conversation that we had around you know this whole body positivity thing I, I think that's something you know, when you're in a, a friend group that everyone's different sizes and stuff, like just because you might be the plus size one, you can't assume that your thinner friends don't have any, any issues that they're, they're dealing with themselves or, point. you know, there right. are people who are thin who struggle to gain weight that's very who true. are trying to, you don't, you just don't know the, the other people's stories. So I think that's part of like when you're building emotional intelligence, those skills like help you separate. I have my own sometimes insecurities or issues about a particular industry, but I can separate those and I can push that emotion down in the moment to be happy for someone else. Sure. Right. Yeah. I think that is a higher level of self-awareness. And I think, 
something that I struggle with, and you know, I've t- talked about all the, the positives of, of self-awareness mm-hmm. and how that can help you. One thing that is, is one of my downfalls is I'm just, and it's hard for me to change this, but I'm unwilling to accept that patience is a virtue. I'm a very impatient person. I like things to be done quickly on a time schedule as efficiently as possible. But what that really stems from is from the fear that life is short because of what I'm presented with in my job. Mm -hmm. I like things to be quick, efficient. I like to have a plan. I like to schedule the fun in because tomorrow isn't promised. And that's something that I said a lot on the podcast. But when when evaluating myself and why I am so impatient... That's really what it stems from because I have an underlying fear because anxiety is a mm-hmm. fear-based emotion that you just never know what, you never know what can happen. And that's something that I'm working on and something that I'm letting go. But when I'm contextualizing that within friendships, when Courtney, when anyone is, is talking to me, I, you know, I think I've tried to do better over the years. Something I can definitely still work on though is maintaining that active listening piece when someone is coming to me with something and then making sure that I set myself aside to better be present for the other other individual. Something I have a very hard time doing because I'm a problem solver and Mm -hmm. I want it. Not that I want the conversation to be done or that I don't want to be supportive. Quite the opposite. I'm trying to find, get get this conversation going because I want to find a solution for that person Mm -hmm. when that's not really what everybody needs. So yeah. that's definitely something I, you know, would, and, and I don't have necessarily a very specific example, but I think topic to topic, something that I try to rein myself in on and to have a conversation for the sake of having a conversation. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, I think it's good that you recognize that. And I think, you know, it's not even something we've really talked about that, how some of that could stem from your job in terms mm-hmm. of like, when you are dealing with a patient issue, you have to have multiple scenarios running in your mind of plan A, plan B, plan C, like if something's Mm -hmm. not working out. So you have to be like always thinking of like what's next. But with the active listening component, I think that is like something worthwhile to separate when you are talking to a friend or a romantic partner. Because I think like, you know, when I I think it's good to have like an opinion and be like firm in your opinion, but sometimes Mm -hmm. when it's delivered like, too quickly or like too a little bit like you know brash sometimes like it could almost feel like dismissive like you Mm -hmm. weren't fully hearing like the person out or like acknowledging how like they feel about like that especially when those irrational emotions you know do come up because it's like I think you are very much a person who is equipped to handle like um just you know you're in a hospital you're handling like very painful and difficult situations but that's a part of the job is figuring out how to keep going about your day with that. And for people who aren't exposed to that kind of situation, like they, there's different emotions that come up for like different things. And so I think that that's just something like that. I, I think, I think is awesome that you're recognizing where that stems from and how it might have to differ in your other relationships to make sure that you're, serving your friendships and, and romantic relationships well in that right. way. Well, thank you. Thank you for recognizing me in, in that. And it's, it's something that I, I kind of came to the conclusion on more recently because it's always kind of been a joke that I'm impatient, but I've been trying to think about, well, like, why is that? Mm-hmm. And I, I realized that because it's very difficult for me to sit in emotion because I don't yeah. have the time to in my job. And so something I'm working on, but I think that that can be depleting 
to other people when in my head I think it's productive. It's definitely um, can be perceived wrong because it is wrong. And if, in, in my, my perception is good, but the outer perception is, is negative. So definitely something for me to work on when I'm thinking, am I being toxic? Am I just trying to hypercorrect and be, be the fixer or do I need to be the, the listener? But anyway, I digress. Yeah. But no, I think like it's good talking about like our own examples because I think you see the process of how we've come to these examples, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's been a process of someone saying something to each other like it's I don't have a specific example either but I'm sure we've had conversations where I'm yeah. like Zia that was like really yeah. harsh in a yeah. way or like whatever because I in myself I am I can be like a more emotional person and you know I'm like the person who's quick, I'm the person who's like quick yeah. to cry if you're like <laughs> speaking mean to me <laughs> that's just that's just how it is like and I have to and I have to work on my own emotional regulation in different, in different ways because sometimes right. I am like the bleeding heart on my sleeve like sure. you know and that's you know that's that's the things that I'm working on but the process is looking at what does it stem from to figure out like hey friend that's calling me out on a behavior like this is what's going on with me and here's I want to change it and this is you know how I will and we'll talk a little bit more about like you know those responses but right you know I think we we've talked a little bit about recognizing when toxic behaviors are are exhibited and I think you know some of those include you know putting your friend down or things like that like are you what whatever you said to your friend like what if they said that to you? Like, how would you feel? I think that's a good litmus test. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that when you talk about what is truly toxic behavior, it's like toxic means bad, but you can only you can only define that by examples because that's the easiest way for people to pick up on, right? So you have gaslighting. It's mm-hmm. one of the biggest toxic behavior traits of something that's unhealthy. The classic, I'm sorry if I made you feel that way. Ooh, ooh, that's bad. Yeah, that's anytime really you bad. put that if in there, like, I'm, or like, just, I'm sorry you feel that way. Yeah. Um, that's just like, yeah, I totally agree. Like, that's putting, if you're putting, I, I think a good sign for yourself is, am I even open to the idea that part of the fault could be on myself for this situation? Mm-hmm. And if you're thinking in your head, like, there's zero percent blame that I could possibly have. You're probably not, you're probably going to start entering some gaslighting like territory. Definitely. And I think, I I think, you know, they're culturally, when you think of someone who's self-centered, you know, someone who's very egotistical Mm -hmm. very narcissistic in personality, um, you know, that can, that can simmer over into a toxic friendship or relationship because they're not even thinking about the other person. Mm -hmm. Now, what I will say for self-centeredness is, is that it's actually a protective mechanism. Being self-centered is protective because if you only worry about yourself and you don't think about other people, that's one way to, to tighten your bubble and focus back in on yourself because you just don't care. But that that's only going to get you so far. So, you know, I mean, with that being said, if you're uh, in any kind of relationship with another person and you have a gut feeling that something is off, like you're more tired than usual. Mm-hmm. You feel like your energy is being depleted. People are questioning why you're doing something that's maybe not are like in your wheelhouse of doing like maybe you're not a person who goes out very often, for example, mm-hmm. and every weekend you start going out any behavior that's, you know, opposing of your normal behavior not saying that it's not okay to do x y and z it totally is but if you're showing patterns to other friends and family 
that person could be manipulating you into doing something that you don't actually want to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like within that, within that context, there's all, I mean, there's a million different examples of toxicity and, and relationships, but really when you put it in, you know, in comparison to someone who is self-aware, I feel like those are some of the best examples when they are self-centered, they are gaslighting because they don't care. Yeah. And I think like, you know, on, on the flip side of when you have a friend that's coming to you about like your behavior is changing, like things like that, Mm -hmm. or, you know, a a third party telling you, Hey, I don't, you're not treating that person well or like whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I really, I think the don't shoot the messenger kind of like attitude is important to have because it's like people wouldn't bring that up to you if they didn't like care or, right. you know, think that. And I think with the self-centeredness point too, I think a good litmus test for yourself with friends too is to ask like if you're hanging out with friends or you're in this conversation, like how much have I talked about myself? Have I asked them how they're doing and in a genuine way and I'm actively listening to the answer right. and I'm not just thinking about what I want to talk about next? Like... I think you have to like really think through those things as well because people do notice like if you're just, you know, uh, yeah, you know, nod your head along, but then it's like the first chance you get to jump on changing the topic to you, like that's noticeable. So I think recognizing how you engage and are present with your friends as well too is important in identifying whether or not you're having those, that exhibiting those toxic behaviors, people. Yeah. It's very important to like look within yourself, but it's kind of like, okay, I've looked within myself. Someone pointed out this, this toxic behavior or negative trait that I've been exhibiting. Maybe I've been manipulative, et cetera, et cetera. I, and I'm now I'm thinking, how do I move on with my friend mm-hmm. or my significant other? Like, what does that look like for the duration of our friendship or relationship? If, if that even gets to continue, if they don't cut me out of their life. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, there, this kind of like conflict, you know, behavior is also a huge part of like, is huge part of emotional intelligence and self-awareness because more emotionally intelligent people are going to be able to sit better with conflict and be in it as opposed to wanting to run away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked about Brene Brown on this podcast a couple times, but um, I actually pulled out my copy of Braving the Wilderness for this podcast episode because she does talk about conflict transformation, which I think is a really cool um, just, you know, concept mm-hmm. there. Tell me more. So she had, yeah, so she had an interview um, with Dr. Michelle Buck, who's a clinical professor of leadership um, at Northwestern. Um, um, and she, they, they specifically talked about the agree to disagree approach. Mm. Um, and it's something that I sometimes find myself doing as a defense mechanism. Um, and, you know, Dr. Buck's response was that people often silence themselves or agree to disagree without fully exploring the actual nature of the disagreement for the sake of protecting a relationship and maintaining a connection. But when we avoid certain conversations and never fully learn how the other person feels about all of the issues, we sometimes end up making assumptions that not only perpetuate, but deepen misunderstandings and generate, and they can end up generating resentment. So that's, that's the kind of answer that she gave, um, you know, about this. And I, and I, and I love that because when you do just run away from a conversation by just ending it, like, those things are going to come up later. They just are. They always do. Um, but she goes on to talk about like a good way to frame these kind of deeper conversations is where are we at now mm-hmm. and where do we want to be in the future? So it's really just like laying it all there on the table of being open to the idea that 
what is happening now in the present doesn't have to be the future state. We can work on changing it together. Um, And I think that, you know, it it is easy to have like these defensive mechanisms and jump to reasons why the person who is calling you out is like wrong and they're the ones to blame. But having positive intent with the people that you care about, assuming like, you know, it it allows you to be open to the possibility that they aren't trying to tell us these things to hurt us, Mm -hmm. but rather they care about us and they care about the relationship. And it's something that they do want to put the effort in to fix. Um, because they wouldn't bring something up if they didn't want to fix it. Because I think you and I have been in situations where we know a friendship is toxic and we've had zero interest in fixing it and we've just gone ahead and let it die. Yeah. You bring something up because you want to fix it because you care about making it better. Right. And so I think that's how you can be more comfortable with moving on, you know, from the conflict is knowing that it's coming out of a place of care. I think it's important, the positive intent that you talk about and that Brene speaks on, you know, it's, I don't think anybody truly purposely in their heart of hearts means these things. A lot of, a lot of toxicity comes out of insecurity comes out from negative learned behavior and a, and a lot of really scorned past experiences with friendships and relationships, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like not all one person is all good or all evil. And, you know, I think people are very easily demonized because they demonize themselves. So cancel like, culture. Cancel culture, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're like, oh, I'm the bad guy. You know what? You're right. I'm just going to take that in and I'm not going to make any more friends. And the next time someone tries to reproach me, the claws are coming out. So I think that it's important to recognize that we're all people. We're not all good or bad. Mm-hmm. And there is a time, there's a time and a place to mend friendships. There's a time and a place to let friendships go. So I guess my question, and I'm saying this even aloud for myself, should you offer a second chance? You know, it, it, it's hard because, like, when you think about from this episode's lens of, like, am I being the toxic friend, you know, I I want to say, like, yes. Like, if it's a friend I care about, like, I hope that they would want to give me a second chance from, you know, saying that, um, yeah, that, I, I well, okay, here's my thing. I think to get, to give a second chance, like, what I expect from a friend who offers that to me is that I came to them with one and an, an admission of, you know what, you're right. I mm-hmm. am being a toxic friend. So fully admitting to what I'm doing and taking ownership of it. But then also being open to like, okay, I hear where you're coming from. I understand what you're saying. And here's the game plan of how I'm going to change this. And I think that the example that you and I talked about with the being celebrating each other's wins, like I came to you and said, you know what, you're right. That wasn't a good behavior. It's not something that I want to exhibit as your best friend. I want, I, I want to be happy for you in these situations and I am happy for you. And from moving forward, I want you to talk to me about these things and you won't receive that negative response again. And if I somehow slip into it, like, please offer me the grace of just calling me out and I will right. admit to, <laughs> yes, you're right. I'm sorry. I fell into that again, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know, if that happens all the time over and over and I'm never changing it, then yeah, I would yeah. you. I think we'd have to have a much larger discussion about it. Right. But I think if it's a big personality change or a big, a deeper level change, like you have to give people like a little bit of grace, mm-hmm. but there is, so should be a cutoff point. Right. Especially when it's energy depleting. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I'm quick, I'm much quicker to cut off, I think, than most people because I'm, sometimes I, I mean, maybe I get a little bit ahead of myself. That's true. It's often not it's not unlikely that I, that I don't, but 
I feel like I'm able to recognize patterns in people and it's like sometimes once an energy depleter, always an energy depleter. Like mm-hmm. these, it's, it's the repeat offenders totally. that I cut off. It's not like, oh, one person pissed me off this one time and they're gone. Like, no, I piss people off all the time. Like I'm an impatient bitch. Like I'm not... Like, I get that about myself. So, yes, you know, on the one hand, I would really, I would truly hope that if if I offended somebody, that one, they made me aware of, of what I did wrong because I'd like to correct that behavior. Um, and two, you know, there there's an admission of, um, like, you know, I if I, there's an admission of guilt, like you said, on my, my end, or in a sincere apology, but... You know, if you let a friendship die by by ghosting, I think everyone is in relationship. That's why ghosting culture is so real because it's a very easy way to just let things go. If that person doesn't follow up or try to pursue you again, maybe they also weren't that interested in maintaining the the friendship or the relationship. So, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, I think sometimes that's the way that that things go. You know, when it comes to a second chance, I think. There's multiple chances in this life for a reason. That's why there is a first and a second and a third chance. But I agree there has to be some kind of cutoff point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that's I that goes for the both of us. So, yeah. you know, although I'm a little bit more more quick to, to cut the ties, I think we can both recognize um, within ourselves when we, we do our best to make a very sincere apology um, to one another in our, in our other personal relationships mm-hmm. um, and try to move forward with a more positive attitude and a more self-aware attitude. So, absolutely, you know, I think this is a, a pretty heavy topic in court. I'm so glad and to have you by my side and we're able to navigate these difficult conversations together but I really want to leave our listeners with some ways Mm -hmm. to increase self-awareness because we're like we're preaching about it we're like it's good it's good here's why you should have it here's the definition of it but how do you actually cultivate that for yourself yeah definitely I think there's practices that you can just add into your day that don't take a ton of time you know it could be however long you want to make it from you know five minutes to hours plus you know of, of what depending on how you integrate it but you know one thing that we've looked at is cre- just making sure that you are intentional about creating the space and time to connect with yourself um every day so this is a you know portion of time that you can decide the length of it but it's where you don't have digital distractions you are just by yourself this could be you know meditation um i know a lot of people love doing that but it's it's basically like your own mental health check that you that you set aside um i think that also leads into practicing mindfulness um so you know you can do this in different ways. I think something I've been really interested in is like mindful eating, which is like where you don't eat with like in front of the TV or Mm -hmm. listening to something or reading something like you're sitting there, you're, you're tasting your food, you're seeing, you're understanding how it's making you feel in those moments. You can do that with walking. You can do that with, um, you know, just doing chores around anything like that where you're just being more attuned to your thoughts and, um, actions. And I think that that, that can be really powerful in building that emotional intelligence muscle. Yeah. And, and, you know, and back, back to my point of practice listening, you know, you want to be able to pay attention to whomever is, is speaking and really take in their message. Cause maybe there's a little negative information in there for you that you could take home and put in your back pocket for future use. Um, something that one of the things that I have actively 
been trying to work on when I am talking about my impatience is observing my own emotion and my body language. Mm. I think, uh, you know, there's different types of regulatory mechanisms within your body. Like your brain tells your body to do things, but sometimes your body actually feedbacks to your brain and tells your brain to act a different way. So a lot of times if you change your body language, like if you smile, for example, you're more likely to actually yeah. turn it into a real smile. Um, if you start laughing like a fake laugh, honestly, it's funny enough to where you start real laughing. So it's about it's about finding where are those positive feedback loops that go back to the brain, back in the old noggin, um, uh, to where you can better self-regulate those emotions and be a better listener. Um, and you know, it's important to not judge or evaluate your, um, your emotions. Um, the other person, you know, you, there's a time and place for critical evaluation of a situation, of course, but I think it's important to sometimes recognize an emotion, recognize, uh, maybe a harsh sentence coming your way, not to judge it or overthink it or evaluate it. And let it go and move on. Mm-hmm. Um, so for practicing listening. Um, and then I think with that, with all of these, overall, it helps you gain a different perspective. Yeah. I, I feel like when you listen to others and then when you journal out and then read read that back to yourself, right? Sometimes that's another, that's another you. Yeah. That's a whole other you entirely. And sometimes you can give yourself that perspective that you needed um, from yourself or asking for feedback from uh, your other friends. And and these were all some tips um, that we found on positivepsychology.com. So it's very easy to, to, to Google these things, but these were already things that I think that we've been trying to practice within ourselves. Yeah. I know we've talked about journaling. It's something that super helps me write out the stories I tell myself versus then in another column writing out what the truth is. Mm -hmm. Um, That's definitely a self-awareness type of tool that I use. And then I love the, the idea of just gaining a different perspective. It's something that I actually do with Alex where we have like relationship check-ins where I'll ask him like, not only like, are you happy? Mm-hmm. Just straight up. Are you yeah. happy in this relationship? But then also like things just like, is there anything that I am doing that has made you um, unhappy or that has made you like uncomfortable or just anything like that, you know, and, or that I've done that's been really exciting for you or that you've really appreciated. So on both ends of the spectrum, but I don't do that with my friendships. And I think that that's something that we could, that like we could definitely incorporate with friends is it's like, Hey, how do you feel our friendship is? Am I supporting you in the ways that you need me to? Am I exhibiting any of these toxic behaviors? You know, just straight up asking, like, as I think we can spend a lot of time questioning in our heads whether we're doing this, but the answer could potentially be very much right in front of you if you just, uh, have, I think the courage, cause mm-hmm. it does take courage does. to get feedback. <laughs> bold, bold to get constructive feedback. Yeah. Constructive uh, criticism is rough, but you know, and if somebody is coming back to you guys and you know, just, just be, have that open, honest communication. Mm-hmm. And, um, hopefully through that conversation, you both come out a little bit more self-aware. Yeah. I love it. So on that note, thank you for making us a part of your day. Now that we've just chatted a little bit more about self-awareness, emotional intelligence, We'd love to know just what your thoughts are and and how you're going to be incorporating some of these tips and practices into your day-to-day. Hit us up on Instagram at OnTheAgendaPod and and let us know how how your emotional intelligence journey is going. (laughs) 
We hope you enjoyed this episode. As a reminder, we are on Spotify, Apple, and most other major podcast hosts for your listening convenience. Be sure to like and subscribe to get notified of our next episode. And feel free to drop us a message to let us know what's on your agenda.